have a word of prayer. We'll read these first four verses. We'll review and we'll pick it up where we left off last week. Father, it is amazing grace. Father, it is a grace that our poor feeble minds cannot even comprehend. Help us, Lord, in that grace. Cling to Christ and Christ alone. Father, overwhelm us with your presence. Overwhelm us with your being. Overwhelm us with you with us, even to the end of the age. Father, help us to hear you. Help us to see you. And Father, help us to be about your business, to your glory, to your praise. Father, may we be sensitive as you lead. Father, may we with great joy and anticipation walk in a manner worthy of this great calling, the furtherance of the King of kings and Lord of lords before a lost and dying world. Father, in the hope that you have poured into our hearts through our resurrected Savior, Father, may we share that same hope and be willing to walk arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, till, Lord, that our faith becomes sight. Let us press on to the upward calling of Christ and Christ alone. To Him and to Him alone. Amen. First four verses of chapter 16. Now considering the collection for the saints, as I have directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collection be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you have may have proved, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. This is an amazing text. Um, and, you know, it, I, I watch a lot of people struggle with giving and, and what does it mean. And, and yes, and I agree that there has been a massive amount of uh, of perversion of the giving of the body of Christ and giving to the church. Uh, but I believe the Bible is really pretty basic in saying there will be charlatans. There will be those people who will take the mantle of shepherd and they were doing it for money. Uh, I'm still not really sure why we seem to get lured to that, but we do. And even most Christians today will judge a successful church on what? Well, it's money. How big is it? All right? Um, which would tell me that the Lord Jesus Christ Himself was a failure. I mean, He had 12. Uh, one betrayed Him. One denied Him. And the other 10 miraculously vanished. Uh, and, and yet, I, I don't understand that. I mean, you think about the greatest church planter, the greatest evangelist that the world has ever, ever heard of was stoned and dragged out to a pile of manure and laid on it to rot. And he came back to consciousness, went back into the same town and continued preaching. How many of you going to sign up for that ministry? Okay, so we have a pattern, we have a history that is before us that doesn't fit what we acknowledge this day, this age, as quote-unquote the church. And I think that that is 
the big issue behind giving. That and that wondrous sin that is so easily snaring us, coveting. Many covet. And, and, and coveting is a, is a dandy because it, it doesn't show itself. It is very subtle. It is very quiet. It is very manipulative. And yet you see it in your infant children first and foremost when they come up with the most cherished words that we've ever heard. Mine! In these last few weeks, I've been looking at the purpose of giving and the principles of giving. And I'm in a bridge section that I call between the principles and protection of giving. And, and it has to do, it, it is in the principles of giving that you will find out the protection in your giving. Uh, and um, I, I believe that if you're truly honest with Scripture, this is not a complicated text. It may be an offensive text, but it's not a complicated text. All right, and um, we will be moving into it. We have seen this in verse 1. What is the purpose of giving? Why should I give to the church? It's easy. It's for the saints. We are to take care of one another. It's that simple. And, and even, and I looked at this a few weeks ago, even those who are diligent in the teaching and preaching ministry of the Word of God are worthy of double honor. Okay, now I don't say that because I'm looking to get a raise. I'm saying that because I look at the Word of God and I cherish it and I understand the privilege of sharing it. Alright? We've looked at the principles of giving. Why do we give? And, and, and we kind of going through a whole list of principles. But the main principle is that this church, this entity that was birthed at Pentecost in Jerusalem is existent for what? The people. The people. And we've kind of been looking at, you know, well, when am I supposed to give? Where am I supposed to give? And why am I supposed to give? I mean, I mean, if you really want to look at the principles sort of expanded, but yet you're going to see in the weeks to come that these principles are what lead you into the protection side of giving. And you know what? I, I know in this day and age, and it's funny because we get press on it more, but it really hasn't changed that there are people out there who for money are preaching the gospel. They're doing it most, and I can't say most, a very large number of quote-unquote men in the ministry are doing it because they want it as a vocation. It's not a vocation. The pastor is not a vocation. Evangelism is not a vocation. I tell you the truth. Every single one of you ought to be evangelizing. And it doesn't say if you're making disciples, you should be paid for it. And yet there are those. It is the church's responsibility to take care of their financial needs. Needs, not wants. Although I do believe a pastor should have a Corvette, but that's just another, <laughs> another side. That's just purely mine. But I, I, it is our responsibility. All right? And here's the reason that I say that. If they have given unto you spiritually, should you not give unto them 
materially. The Bible commands it. And yet, you know, for whatever reason, we believe the pastor has taken a vow of poverty. Well, isn't it true? You know, hey, listen, I got into trouble. I, I bought a, a, an LHX Chrysler, which leather seats and all the rest of it. I got a heck of a deal on it. And I had people say, well, I can't believe you bought that. Why not? Well, that's a luxury car. Well, it's a car. <laughs> and at the time, I just needed a car. And I had people, I know a pastor who lost his job because someone sold him an XKE 12-cylinder Jaguar sedan. He gave $1,500 for it. It had 23,000 original miles on it. And they fired him because they didn't believe that the pastor should own an XKE Jaguar. I think they fired him because they didn't get to buy it. <laughs> but, but that's another. Okay? Do you understand that? Why? I don't understand that. I really don't understand that at times. When am I to give to the body of Christ? First of the week. First day of the week. Anybody know what day that is? Sunday. When the congregation comes together, give as a part of your worship. Okay? Where am I supposed to give this? The gathering of the saints. Where they come together. Why? We looked at this last week. Why am I supposed to give? It is for the treasury. That's the word that you see there. It's the word we get tharsis from. Tharsis is a treasury of words. And you were to put it in there. Listen, this isn't complicated. It's the fourth and fifth chapter of Acts. It hasn't changed. Okay, and you actually can watch it move and you see it move into seven where they had the widows, the Jewish widows were in need of what? Food. And they were coming where to get their food, their daily needs met. The church. And it was people were literally taking tracts of land and their possessions and they were selling it. And what were they doing with the money? The giving to the church leadership. Why? You know, it's, it's a funny thing that I have run into in my days as a pastor, as a brother in Christ. Um, we want church leadership as long as we don't have to listen to them. Isn't it true? They say they are my elder. They have authority over me, well, for about an hour on Sunday. But if they really get cranky with me, I'm out of there. And I'll start another one. Because it's obvious they don't know what they're talking about. And I find that fascinating that Jesus says, I will build my church and the abode of the dead can't stop it. And it doesn't say he needs your help. And I, I truly believe in our society today, we do not understand, nor do we appreciate it, when God brings godly men to lead and puts them in that place. I really don't believe that we do. I really haven't seen anything that just slaps me out and says, yeah, that's, that's it. 
And, and I don't understand that. I really don't understand that. Okay, so we know when we are to give. We know where we are to give. We know why we are to give. Okay, now let me ask you a question. This is what we'll look at today. Who is to give? I like this text. Because in the New American Standard Translation, on the first day of every week, verse 2, what does it say? Each one of you. In the literal Greek, it is let everyone. In the literal Italian, it is let everyone. In the literal French, it is everyone. In the literal Hebrew, it is everyone. You know what he's basically saying there? No one is exempt. Okay? Who is to give to the church? Everyone. Then you hear the great announcement. I have no money. I give my talent. Guess what? No. That's not what it says. What it's saying is, if you have something, give. Okay, anybody in here don't have something? What he's saying is, there is no excuse for no Christian never ever not to give something. Well, we're in a recession. My 401k is a 201k. What he's saying is, everyone is to systematically week in and week out place in the treasury of the church for the distribution of the church to meet the needs of the saints. And basically what you're looking at in this context, understanding he's coming out of the resurrection, he's saying because of the resurrection, you have a stewardship issue. If you are going to receive a resurrected body that will be able to exist in the heavenlies, then what is your priority? Well, you don't understand. In our society today, I am, I, I, I am very poor. I live on a subsidized account. I'm asking you a simple question. Do you have anything? then you have something to give. Let me show you the text. We, we miss this. I think it's purely intentional. It comes out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. This is a fascinating text in its old context. Beginning in verse 41. This is speaking of Jesus. Okay? And He sat down opposite the treasury. Do you understand that? I dealt with this in depth last week. If not, you can go online and get it or iTunes or iPhone or something. I don't know. We've got it all over the place. All right. Don't you think it's an interesting way to spend your day? This is the Lord of creation and he sits down where? 
He wants to watch the people come in and give. Do you understand that if you do that, you will learn a lot about that character of that individual that day? Fascinating, isn't it? Jesus sits down opposite of the treasury to watch the people. Here's what he says. Opposite the treasury, and he began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. Cool, huh? A poor widow, hang on to that one, came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Actually, it's not a cent. It is like a 64th of a denarii, which would be about an eighth of a penny. Two copper coins make an eighth of a penny if you wanted to use it in your vernacular. Okay? This poor woman, poor widow, came and put two small copper coins in amount of, of, a, of a cent, calling his disciples. He says to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. Okay? For they all put in out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned. All she had to live on. Let me ask you a question. You believe in the tithe? What is that? That's not a tenth. How much she put in? Okay, the word in the original language for widow here is a non-kept deceased bride. Okay, meaning that she had no heirs or no children to meet her physical needs. So she was getting it from some type of labor that she was doing. And it's obvious whatever it was, wasn't real profitable. And she went in and gave how much? All of it. Now listen, she didn't have a lot. But what she had, she gave all of it. If you check church history and check Jewish history, you will find that when the Pharisees came in to give, a horn would sound. They would announce their arrival and they would announce that they had given. And they literally had people with trumpets who would blow these trumpets. This widow had no support and she gave what percent? Of what she owned. Technically by the treasury law. She could have given a tenth of an eighth of a cent. But she gave. All of it. Now you think about that for a little bit, because we, and everybody said, "Well, but that was under the temple, and that was a." What did Barnabas do with the money he got from selling his track of land? 
Did he give a tenth? How much did he give? Did he tell the apostles? I'll give you all of this, but I want 5% to go to the music ministry. I want 6% to go to the evangelistic ministry. 12% to go to the Russian ministry. No. He says, God has placed these men as leaders over the body of Christ. And God has given me this. And I give it to you to be the stewards of it. Now, you know, it's so funny because they say, well, why don't the people steal it? I bet you God figures it out. What you want to bet? And you don't think God ain't going to deal with it? You know what? I have watched men and women in the quote unquote ministry for years and years and years and years rip off God and God deal with them. Every time. I have never seen anyone who plagiarizes, who whores the word of God and them not pay a horrific price. Do I need to go through the list? I don't think I need to. You know who they are. We get to press. We see them. I mean, Balaam started it. And we know what his condemnation was. That worked well. And yet everybody seems to think that they have to be God's security people. I'm thinking he really doesn't need our help. And he probably has a bigger view of what's going on than what we do anyway. I mean, do you really think you can get past his surveillance cameras? And yet, you know what? I see idiots after idiots who believe they can. But I want to warn you, and I will warn you clearly this day, are you giving out of your surplus? Or are you giving out of your love and dependence in the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the difference that you have here. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you got. If you've got two cents in your pocket right now, you have something to give. There's not a person in the United States today who does not have something that they can't give to the Lord. Well, I'll give him my musical ability. He doesn't want it. Did I tell you that? I remember a guy one time saying, you know, God gave me this song from heaven. And the guy looked at him in the pastor and says, well, he didn't want it. I hear this one a lot. Well, if I had more, man, I'd give so much more. You know what? No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Listen, I heard a story. I'll share with you this story. Two farmers were sitting out there, and the one farmer looked at him. The guy was struggling a little bit, and he says, let me ask you a question. He says, what's that? He said, if you had two farms... Would you give one to the Lord? And his buddy said, well, yeah, you know I would. Absolutely. Just like that. In a minute. Well, if you had two fields, would you give one to the Lord? He says, in a heartbeat, if, if, if I had, absolutely, I'd give one to the Lord just, just like that. I mean, it, absolutely no problem. 
He says, well, then let me ask you a question. He said, what's that? He says, if you had two pigs. He says, wait a minute. You know I have two pigs. See how that works? I already have it. I'm just not going to give it to him. Right? Because the difference is this. Those of us who have been immersed in coveting, you know it's promoted in our country, right? Coveting is promoted. Right? If, if, you, if you don't, then that means you've never watched television, you've never heard a radio, you've never seen a, a newspaper or a magazine advertising, and, and you are not, you're living under a rock, and this is your first day out. <laughs> it will be vanquished in a moment. We ha- our whole industry advertising is based on what? Coveting. I don't care what it is. I mean, our whole society is based on coveting. So let me ask you a question. How's the church doing with that? If you would go, and I have shared with this, you this text, but I want to give you its context again because, like I said, this text impacted me as much as probably any given text in the Holy Writ is Luke's chapter 16, verse 10 and 11. This is a fascinating text. I mean, if you read its complete context, it begins over in chapter uh, 16, verse 1, speaking of the unrighteous steward. Okay, and he gives an illustration that would fit the day. Um, that is the flow of what he's doing. He's basically talking about a rich owner who had somebody who was in charge of his business. And um, he was kind of running in the red. He had a cash flow problem. And so what he did is just went redone everybody's bill so they could afford to pay it and had him pay it. He said, well, aren't you cheating your owner? And that's not what the owner said. The owner said, you are very shrewd. And then he says this. He who is faithful with very little thing is faithful also in what? Listen, if you are not faithful in your poverty, I would almost say without a problem that you will stay in poverty. It's just that simple. I mean, you can sit and say, well, I'll give to God when I've got some extra cash. What would you just say? I will give to you out of my surplus. Listen, I can almost guarantee you that um, when things get tight in your homes, who gets cut first? Just a question. Because that's what's being dealt with here. You know what? Um, I have a lot of dealings with pastors. Um, And one of the things that I'm hearing consistently in our community right now is that the state of giving in the body of Christ is at a crisis. Okay? And you know what I have to say to every one of them? Why? Why? The economy should have absolutely no effect whatsoever on the giving in the body of Christ. And if it does, then you have a congregation of people who are in non-repentant sin. 
Okay. I, I'm not a deep theologian, but I am pretty convinced that if you've got non-repentant sin, God deals with it pretty, pretty quickly and says, watch this. That's, we had, you have been warned. Look what he says. He who is faithful with a very little thing is faithful also in much. He who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous with much. Therefore, see what he just did? That's terrible when he does that one. In this context, he's basically saying, you're holding back. Therefore, I will. I mean, that's the text. Look what he says. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches to you? You know, I I hear people saying, well, we're not reaching people for Christ. We're not reaching people for Christ. We're not evangelizing. We're not having any baptism. I'm not seeing anybody get saved. And I said, no. You won't. Why? Because if you're not faithful with wealth, you will not get souls. It's impossible. There's only one thing in the whole globe that you can invest in that is eternal. And that's the souls of men and women. That's it. And if I am not faithful in my stewardship to the body of Christ that Jesus Christ died, shed his blood to purchase, what do you think he's going to give you next? That's what we need to get a hold of. When we think about giving to the church, do you understand what you're doing? Most people think, well, that's all the church ever talks about is giving. Then you know what? You want them to shut up? Start giving. That's an amazing thing to me. That doesn't even seem like rocket science. And yet, there are people who manipulate it. Absolutely, but you know what? When I, those I can spot 10 miles away. I've never had a problem looking at a charlatan from a pulpit. How's come everybody else has a problem? I don't understand that. It is easy to see the emphasis of the pastor. What is his desire? I don't, uh. What can I say? I don't even know how to translate that. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like my favorite saying. You just want to look at him and say, Did your mother have any children that lived? I'll let you ponder that. <laughs> okay? But it's stuff like that that you and I don't understand. I mean, there's a part of me that says, you know what? I need to get every one of you one trip to Russia because then you'll start seeing what your dollars are doing in Russia and it will freak you out. I just got the DVD from Emmanuel's child. 11,000 kids. That's all. 11,000 children who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ have received a New Testament and a gift and a card that says there's an American praying that you come to salvation in Jesus Christ. $30. $30. 
$30. And that local body of people, that local group of brothers, oh, did I tell you you have to spend eternity with them? Anyway, um, they had the ability to do that because you gave out of your surplus or out of what God has given you. I look at these summer camps and I watch the kids that come to it. And then you come, you wake up that one morning, I think I've shared this with a few of you, where I woke up that morning and thought, why are all the lights on in the basement of the church in the fellowship hall? I looked out for it. It's like 4.35 o'clock in the morning. So I go cruising over there and it's full of kids, senior high and junior high kids. And I'm sitting there going, wow, that's weird. So I asked Misha, my answer, I said, what are they doing? He said, the senior high kids are showing us junior high kids how to memorize the book of Galatians. He says, you should bring your youth over. Really? That'd be a good idea. Your senior high could show my kids how to memorize Scripture. Because we are so worried about our surplus that we forget the important things, don't we? Don't we? It's amazing. Don't you think that's amazing? This very, well, them crazy old Pharisees, I don't know how they are. Yeah, really? How many of you, if you had the chance, would blow your own horn? And I won't even ask, are you giving, are you giving the same percent as the widow? That's scary stuff, isn't it? Why? See, the widow has an advantage. The widow has an advantage over every one of us in this room. She knows who she's dependent on. And I know we're all sitting here on Sunday morning and hallelujah and having a a grand old time and we would all say emphatically what? I'm dependent on Jesus. Wouldn't he? Let me ask you a question. How many times have you worked overtime for Jesus versus how many times you worked overtime for your job? And the reason you work overtime for your job is for what reason? Surplus. I have to work overtime. I'm getting ready to go on vacation. If you're not faithful with the little things, are you going to be faithful with the big things? Now, we all like to say, you know what? If I just made an extra 100000 a year, I'd give 25000 to God. I'm feeling spiritual today. I'll give him 50. But God, you give me 100 grand, I'll give him 50. I know a pastor right now makes a quarter million dollars a year. Okay? And everybody says, what? Yeah. But somebody in the church had literally given him a, a track of land and then another group in the church said, you know what, we love you so much, we're going to build you a house. And they built him a house. They built a house on a track of land for him. And everybody says, that's extravagant. You know the first two seminaries that f- were started in the lands of Russia? He funded them himself completely. The complete seminary operations. The payroll 
the building, the utilities, and the teachers he paid for himself. And he looked at the people who would call what he was doing extravagant, and he smiled and he says, I appreciate your concern, so all I would ask is then you walk with me. Because then we can produce about 35 more seminaries. Fascinating understanding, isn't it? Well, those two illustrations, well, in a few months, we're going to move into a book that I call a book of ministries. Okay? In light of 1 Corinthians, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. What will it look like? That would be 2 Corinthians. Okay. If you will turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. Let let me give you its context because verse 1 says, I want to make known to you the grace of God. You know, we just sang, what? Amazing grace and grace is greater than all of our sins. Okay, let me show you how it looks. I want to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, Their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their, of their wealth of their liberally. For I testify that in according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. This is the collection that is going to Jerusalem. Begging us with much argue, urging. For the favor of participation and the support of the saints. I can honestly say I have never had anybody come up to me and want to debate me that they want to give me more. Let me urge. I want to be more involved in it. Really? Because if you anyone ever did that, then I get to go to glory. It'd kill me. <laughs> I'd fall over dead. <laughs> I think about them getting ready to build the tabernacle and Moses had to tell the nation of Israel what? Stop it! We can't take any more! They're like, well, that doesn't happen often. But he says here that in... Do you understand what was going on? Macedonia is Berea, Thessalonica, and Philippi. Okay? That's that upper uh, part of the Greek peninsula. Okay, and they run him out of Thessalonica. They threatened to kill him, and then they took one of the disciples prisoner and were going to kill him if Paul didn't leave. So Paul left, you know, not wanting to cause anybody to stumble or die innocently. (laughs) Okay, and he went to Berea. They tracked him down in Berea and run him out of there. And yet, when the opportunity came to give to the saints in Jerusalem, what did they do? Abundantly, out of their what? Poverty. 
out of their poverty. Because most of these people would have been Jewish at the birth of these churches in this area. All right. And as soon as they came to Christ, guess what? They're out of synagogue, which means a lot of their business connections are done. And now they're on their own. They came to Jesus Christ so that they could step into poverty. And then when an opportunity gave to give materially, what did they do? Beyond what Paul even could understand. It doesn't make sense. Okay. But I can tell you how it works. Let me tell you how it works. Verse five. Verse five. And this, not as we had expected. Okay? It freaked me out. It gave me more than I could expect. They were actually once sending him money when he got thrown into jail. Here, we'll take care of everybody. Out of expected. But they what? What does it say? First gave themselves what? To the Lord. You know what the priority was? Jesus Christ. So the things of this world were irrelevant. Why do we cling on to it? Why do we grasp it? Why do we chase it? Why do we have to have a new this or a new this? Or a better this or a better that? Why do we have to have that? Why? Anybody got an answer? I can I can tell you why. Because my first priority ain't the Lord. Now, I talk to these pastors, a lot of these guys, and they're all struggling with the uh, what they call inconsistency of the congregation to worship. Okay, why is that? I told you about seeing them kids helping each other study and memorize the book of Galatians. Did I tell you what time of year that was? It was March. I'm 400 miles from the Arctic Circle. Okay. They don't have no mountains to ski on. They can just ski off the curb. The sidewalks have been shoveled so much that you felt like you're walking through a trench of snow. Nobody has a car. And I'll never forget my first time there, my first visit there. And and I, I look at all this snow and the sun is just coming up and it's hot far enough north that sunrise, it gets kind of a gray color and then it stays gray to about nine o'clock. You sort of see in the morning, then you sort of see a thing that looks like the sun and it's dark by three. And the sun, the sun almost looks like it's running north to south instead of east to west. And you sit there and go, no wonder you people are all grouchy around here. Well, they are. You, if you ever meet the Russian people, they're like this. People who smile are up to no good. <laughs> so they, they all follow me around thinking I'm going to steal something. But anyway, um, they asked me to preach that Sunday morning. And I said, all right. So I started looking out there. And I, and I said, what time? And they told me 10 o'clock. I said, all right, I'll be there. Well, you know, I'm just walk through the little trench and I'll be right there. And I kept looking outside. No cars. The buses are not going to run until 11 o'clock because it's Sunday. And, and I said, I go, well, you know, who's going to be there? And I saw this one lady walk through and that was it. I walk into that church. There's at least 400 people already packing that place. 
who had walked through these ditches, through these curbs, through this frozen tundra, so that they could worship with the saints of God. How are we doing? I ain't going to church today. It's too hot and I ain't got no air conditioning. I ain't going to church today. It's too cold and I don't want to get out in the cold. It's too snowy. It's too this. It's too that. Well, try walking in it. See, it'd make it easy on you. You wouldn't have to worry about your car getting stuck. Okay? And I don't know how cold it was. I don't want to know how cold it was. But I had a jacket on, and I only had to walk maybe 75 yards. And when I got to the door, I was cold. Okay? So somebody left the heat off. Why is that? Why would they do that? It's easy. It's verse 5. But they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Have you ever done that? You know, I already shared with you that the giving that you see listed in Romans and a few other texts is the word koinonia, and it literally means what? Fellowship. Fellowship. When you are financially involved with the brothers and the sisters of the body of Christ, guess what? You have fellowship. You have fellowship. Why? You're concerned about each other. You know each other. You're cons- you know, I have some people who come um, on, on Sunday nights. They're not a part of this church, but they come on Sunday nights. It's kind of fascinating. And one of the comments that they made, is says, you guys are like family. And you know what's neat about that? You can't manufacture that. I mean, you can sit there and say, well, why can't we get along? Because I don't like you. That's why. Because I got news for you. If you're not fellowshipping in the financial side, do you really believe you'll finance or fellowship another way? It's almost, almost like if you've got to give money, you got to do it. I'm paying for it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <You're> like, what? <laughs> I'm buying friends. <laughs> Doesn't everybody know that? <laughs> I want you to think about this because... Next week, I want to deal with how much am I to give? Okay? And I want to deal with it from a biblical perspective. I bet you can't figure out what direction I'm going, can you? What do you figure? You're going to hear about the widow and Mark again? What percentage of her income did she give? Hmm. What do you think? And everybody's like, I'm busy next Sunday. <laughs> I haven't got to sit down and watch the Super Bowl yet. I've got it on a tape. I'm going to watch it next Sunday morning. It's the only time I get a chance to. <laughs> Listen, when you look at this, if you understand what is the purpose of giving, It's for the saints. You know which ones those are, right? It's for all of us. It's for all of us. Okay? And we've been looking at these principles, and I will show you in two weeks how it protects you. How it protects you. All right? And you don't look at that, do you? I give so much and it'll protect me? Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. Because you know what the Bible says? 
In the midst of famine, my saints shall not hunger. Do you wonder how he gets that done? Just a question. When you think about the Apostle Paul going from village to village, taking the good news of Jesus Christ and the birth of this entity, the church, where there is no man, there's no woman, there's no slave, there's no free, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, and this amazing organization, organism that manifests Jesus Christ in the unity that mankind can never reproduce. And even the people who were dirt poor wanted to do what? Give to it. To the point that those who had a little more, had them a track of land, had them a piece of property, a house or something like that, they would sell that house and all of the money went where? To the church. To the treasury. So that the spiritual leadership that God had placed. You know, I tell guys this, I don't ordain. God does. When we appoint an elder in this church, we don't ordain him. God ordains. We prayerfully hope we get the right one. (laughs) That's it. I mean, people say, well, how do you choose an elder? Fervent, fervent prayer. And it may take years of prayer. Okay? Because you know what? I've got one. And I don't need any more. But if God ordains one, I pray that I and Matt are sensitive to what God is doing. That's the clue. And the same thing with finances. We do these budget meetings and everybody says, well, what? listen, there's a lot of prayer goes before we ever meet. Why? I don't know what to do with this. And that's why when it comes to dealing with my salary in this church, I leave the room. I'm not even a part of it. I leave. Why? You know what? God says I need to be dependent on him. And so far, I have been. I don't have a problem with it. Again, too many get into the ministry for a vocation. I tell you, the top two million things I want to be when I grow up, pastor's not on the list. And God says, this is what we're going to do. And I've told him multiple times, that's not funny. Okay, but that's the kind of stuff it is for all of us. We have a meal on Saturday nights, have been for two years now. How's it come? Well, all the homeless in Kazarok, Terry won't come. We only got one. Okay, and you know what? He is quite happy where he's at. Uh, it's circling Jupiter, but, you know, on a bicycle. <laughs> but, you know, but you know what has happened? We've helped make the needs of some of the saints. We've had fellowship. And though the original plan that everybody was convinced, this is what we're going to do, God says, bless your hearts. But this is what I'm going to do. Right? See what I'm trying to get at? You give. Why? 
to watch what God does. Listen, I can tell you, I don't know how many times in my life that God can stretch a dollar or shrink a dollar. The key will be the simple verse that you see in verse 5. What's your priority? Have Ask yourself this question. Have you given yourself to the Lord first? Because if you have, money's no problem. Why? What are you going to do with it in heaven? I mean, if you save it all, what are you going to do with it? But how much am I willing to invest in the temporal things and how much am I willing to invest in the eternal things? That's what the Apostle Paul's getting at since 16. Why? He just came out of 15. What's 15? Resurrection. He says, so you come out of the resurrection, what's the focus? Eternal beings. That's it. So why would you focus on temporal wealth? I mean, he named the stars and you're joint heir. I don't even want the Brooklyn Bridge. I hope you see this. Next week, we'll look at how much. But you don't look at how much if you don't understand the purpose for giving and the principles for giving. And you don't understand how much if you don't understand the protection in the giving. But you've already seen the... Pre- the principle that sits there that says, you know what? If I'm not faithful in my stewardship week in and week out of my finances, I don't have to worry about the eternals. You know why? Because you're going to spend all your time trying to deal with the temporals. It's that simple. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray as we prepare to partake of the table, that we understand the magnitude of this text. They gave first themselves to the Lord. Father, as we partake of your table in remembrance of the horrific price that was paid to redeem us, Father, we bow. I understand the things of this world aren't even worth the effort of worrying over. Help us, Lord. Help us to have open hands as we give unto you. Help us to have open hands as we rest to you. Father, as the Lord of the Sabbath, that Joshua could not give the people of Israel, you have given to us freely. Let us enter that rest. Be overwhelmed by your presence. To be overwhelmed by your mercy. And Father... Be overwhelmed by the abundance that you have poured upon us that, Father, we would use it for the eternal things. In Christ's name.